And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Tuesday, October 5th. Uh, Mark and I are in much better moods than we've been in a long time because we are speaking on a day where it is a glorious autumnal weather day in New York City. And so we are both so happy. Also, interesting, Mark, one of the things that I do now that the studio for CBS Mornings has moved to Times Square, you know, I like to walk home after the hit. And I now walk straight up Broadway from 45th all the way to the Upper West Side. And man, you really understand what's going on in New York City when you're, you know, walking around at 730 in the morning and you're seeing people getting out to work. Maybe a few people who are still stumbling in from the night before, but it's just interesting. And I feel like uh, things are good. Things are getting back. We're getting back into uh, a better vibe. That's that's what I, and I'm, I'm going to be positive about it because I feel like there's a lot of negativity out there. I want to be positive. Anyway, if you want a little positivity in your financial life, all you need to do is give us a holler. Our website is jillonmoney.com. And on that website, we've got this glorious contact button. Just click it and we will get your message. When you send us that financial question about anything remotely financial in your life, just remember that we really would love to have you on the air. And if you're willing to come on the air with us live, let us know. That is what Susan did. Susan is on the line from Georgia. Hi, Susan. How can we help you out? Well, I guess it started a while back that you answered a question from somebody that wanted to sell two houses and buy one with the proceeds. And you suggested getting a mortgage over putting all the money from the sale into the home. So I wrote you at that point and asked the question, when do you decide when to get a mortgage versus paid cash basically for the house? I guess you had said we need more information. So that was my reason for writing back. Okay, excellent. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Susan, and we'll figure out what your next best step is for your real estate venture. Okay, well, I'm about to be 54. 
and got divorced about eight years ago and refinanced the house at that time. Um, I have two children, one who's 21 and one who's 15. So mm -hmm. when the 15 year old graduates from high school, my plan is to sell the house in my current location and go somewhere. I'm not really sure where that is yet. I also read your book and the chapter on rent versus buy was of particular interest because that's sort of also in the play there mm. as mm. to whether I should rent or buy. And I'm potentially thinking, you know, rent for a year and make sure it's the right place if I decide to move somewhere else. Um, although I currently live in a fairly low cost of living area. So hmm. that's great. My house currently, with the increase this year, I would guess somewhere 720, 725. When I refinanced after my divorce, my loan is currently running just under 200. What's the interest rate on the mortgage? 3.75. But you really think you're going to leave in whatever, five or six years, right? Oh, less than that. Oh, the kids are at 15. I'm, I'm going through college, not through high school. So what do we have? Like two more years or three years? Um, like two and a half years. Okay. So you have all this equity in the house and you talk about moving. What would you want to move? Ugh, this is hard because you don't really know what you want, right? You're sort of opening yourself and saying, I could go a lot of different places. I mean, would you want to stay near where you are now or not? Um, probably within vicinity of where I am, but I am thinking, I guess, sort of in the realm, I could move closer toward the mountains, maybe toward a lake, maybe move to like a planned 55 plus community. Mm -hmm. um, all of those are sort of in, in the mix. But the price range of the house sort of also defines what my opportunities are. Mm. Um, you know, I can't move to the mountains and buy a great mountain house unless I can spend some money. Um, yeah. If I need to keep the equity and hold on to it and only spend a portion of it, then, you know, that changes the opportunities. One mm. of the things that is out there about, you know, how much to spend of your income, but I haven't found a lot of things about how much to spend of your net worth mm -hmm. if you potentially are going to pay cash. Yeah, I get you. Okay. So now let's, let's talk a little bit more about like the details of your life. Okay. Right now, you're working. How much do you earn? 2020 was low mm. um, due to the pandemic, but I'd probably say you could put in there about 30. So for 2021, $30,000? Yes. Okay. Child support, alimony, anything like that. What, what else comes in to help put these kids uh, through school and um, feed them? I mean, they're so annoying. They need to be fed. They need to be clothed. All those things are so demanding, right? Right. Yes. I currently do get child support for the younger child, mm -hmm. um, but the older one, I no longer get child support, but that runs out when she graduates from high school. Uh, how much is that? Uh, about 1800 a month. So between the $30,000 of salary and the $1,800 a month, does that pay most of the bills, some of the bills? What, what? Give me just it, a sense of the cash flow. It pays most of the bills. Um, I am for the extras. Like if something happens, kind of the like the car breaks down, the you know air conditioner breaks down, stuff like that. I am pulling from my emergency fund, kind of mm -hmm. to, to cover those extras. 
Okay. How much is in the emergency fund right now? About 42000 Great. Tell me a little bit about other money you've set aside for either your own retirement or for college for the 15-year-old. What else do you have out there? In a rollover IRA from when I was working, um, I worked from, I guess, high school through about 2002. Um, I had a young child at home and chose to become the stay-at-home mom. So I was at home for many, many years until my divorce. Um, so I have a rollover IRA that's about five fifty right now. Wow, five hundred fifty thousand—that's great. I had a Roth from those working years as well, mm-hmm. um, but then have been converting from my traditional IRA into my Roth mm-hmm. within my tax bracket as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So that's currently about three sixty-five. So three hundred sixty-five thousand in the Roth. 550 in the rollover IRA, and it's that IRA 550 that you're slowly starting to convert over to the Roth, right? Um, well, I actually had a separate contributory ah, okay. IRA as well, and that's now zero, but I started oh. with that one. I see. I got it, but that's done. That's but that's, that one's done, and so okay. yeah, there's 550 left in the traditional that I've got mm. right now. Wow, that's a big chunk of money. Now, tell me a little bit um, about any non-retirement savings that you have. Anything else that's out there that we should know about? I've got a non-qualified brokerage that's got about three hundred and sixty in it. Mm-hmm. I've got an HSA that I just started last year that's got about thirty-five hundred bucks in it. Um, both kids have five twenty-nines. Thankful to the grandparents for that. Um, They're both approaching my son's is a little lower because they're in like target date fund kind of things so he has missed a lot of the most recent upswings but his is about 77 and my daughter's is about 81. And the 21 year old is in school right now it sort of seems like it's approaching the time to be maybe graduating so I'm excited about that. He's on the gap year trying to figure it out plan. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, but you think that that seventy seven thousand is going to be spent, or do you think that there will be some surplus available for um, your daughter? Um, I hope that it will be spent at some point. I don't know if all of it will be spent because okay. I live in Georgia. We do have the Hope Scholarship as well. Mm. Um, if they maintain a B or better average in high school, and then also once they start college, then a portion of their tuition is covered. That's amazing. That's really great. So right now, when you look at the twenty-one or twenty-two thousand of child support that's going to disappear, that's going to have to come out of your non-qualified assets, right? I mean, you're going to have to make up for that, uh, because obviously you need a little bit more than this thirty thousand dollars. Unless you think, are you potentially considering that? your income would rise as we, your um, daughter goes to college, or do you think it's going to remain about the same 30? Um, it might go up a little bit, but it's not going to, it's not going to double or anything like that, or at least that's not what I'm expecting. Okay. So um, it is fair to say that we would need to generate somewhere around, I'm going to, you know, round up a little bit. Cause as you said, a lot of the things that aren't covered, you're, you're taking care of, but in addition to your 30, you probably need another 30, Right. Right. Just to float everything. So we need to make sure that whatever you have can generate 30,000 bucks a year extra for cash flow. Right. Right. In my current 
situation. In your current situation. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Yes. Now, what is your preference as you look ahead? Would it be to try to build a plan where that 30000 is what you do? In other words, is it possible that you say, hey, you know what? I want to be able to spend that much money because I'm, I'm probably going to live in a similar type of uh, arrangement where I'm going to have money invested in my house, but I'm also going to have a mortgage. Or would you rather say, look, I just don't want a mortgage. I'll live in whatever a half a million dollars in equity can buy. And that way my cash flow needs are reduced. What's your preference? Well, I definitely want to downsize space-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is going to blow you away because you're in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but I currently have about 5,000 square feet. Oh my God. Um, which I definitely do not need if, you know, if both children have sort of left, I don't need 5,000 square feet. Even my animals don't need that much. <laughs> um, so I definitely want to downsize space wise, Yeah, which would of course potentially cut the cost. So it really depends on what location I decide to move to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably thinking around this like 1,700 to 2,000 square feet is what I'm shooting for or, or thinking of. But even if you were to downsize, you're saying, you know, you still, even if you want, let's even say 2,000 square feet, if you're going to go to say like a 55 plus community or somewhere else, I guess my question is, would you still need to be buying a $700,000 place? Because sometimes it's weird. Like some of those communities are expensive, right? It's like, well, it's um, the right amount. It's a smaller amount of space, but it's desirable because of all these other amenities. So what do you think we should kind of count on for what you would need to spend? And I'm not going to hold you to it. This is just a rough game plan. So what do you think you'd have to spend on something where you'd want to be? And just give me an average, you know, let's say uh, between this and this. Based on what I'm looking at right now, it's somewhere probably three fifty to four. Okay, but let's just be honest. Let's just say four, okay? And that means that you can sell your house, and this is obviously at current market value. You pay off the mortgage, and now you've got four hundred grand that you could sink into something and own, you know, cash, right? Then all of a sudden your cash flow needs are reduced, right? Because you don't have a mortgage. You still will have obviously property tax and homeowners, but you're not going to have mortgage. And so maybe your cash flow, how much is your mortgage right now? Your, um, your principal and interest payment approximately. Um, the principal and interest is about 1100. Okay. And so let's just say, okay, well, let's, let's be conservative. Let's say that if the current plan, you need 30 grand a year from your cash flow, you know, to fund your cash flow needs. In plan B, or, you know, next chapter, it would be, probably be more like 20,000. So now, if we need 20 grand a year from your portfolio and you do have a chunk of money, right? Uh, and I'm not even going to consider that you need to sock away a ton of money because always what happens is people say, I'm going to downsize. And, you know, even we just talked about it, I'm going to put $400,000 down and that leaves an extra hundred. I don't even think you're going to bank that hundred because you're going to move and there's going to be costs and there's going to be furniture. And so let's just pretend you spend the whole thing. Now, what we need to do is figure out, do the assets that you have, are they sufficient to generate that extra 20 grand a year, at least for another, I don't know, how much longer are you going to work? 10 more years? With what I'm doing right now, I could probably work till I'm 70. 
Wow, I love that. You can totally do this. So when my first concern was when you contacted us, like, should I just pay cash? I was like, oh, I don't want to sop up all of your liquidity, but you have liquidity. You really do. Frankly, if I look at this, you know, even in, you know, the, let's just look at a 10-year or 12-year time horizon, right? That, you know, by the time you get to Medicare, you know, you have a bunch of money that is saved specifically in that non-qualified account. And um, the one thing that I would be a little bit careful about is that, you know, as you move forward in this game plan, I don't want you to necessarily get so hyper-focused on converting all of your retirement money into Roth money this second, because I still want you to have that liquidity. Like, yes, of course you can do it a little bit at a time. That's fine. But, you know, if you end up, let's just say two years from now, I'm going to, you know, let's say between your rollover and your Roth, you got about a million bucks and you got 300,000 in the non-qualified account. I think that we can certainly generate the 20 grand a year that you need um, from that amount of money that you have. It looks pretty good to me. Mark, is there any, are you going to punch a hole in this plan of what the equity will buy her? Right. That's exactly right. Mark says that, you know, you got to stick to the game plan in pricing on the new home, because it is true that if you were to spend much more money, right, if all of a sudden, you, instead of saying, I've got um, $500,000 of equity from my current home that I can roll into something, if all of a sudden that's, you said to me, oh, no, but Jill, what I really want to do is actually want to buy an $800,000 home, and that then the numbers don't look as good. Okay. They just don't. Right. As far. So, so I am okay with you buying with the cash, as long as you were limiting your upper end of your price range, as far as renting, you know, one of the reasons I really do like renting is that it will give you a, an intermediate term plan basically. And it helps prevent you making a big mistake with a chunk of money. But that said, you've got a couple of years, you're not moving to a brand new area. In other words, you're not saying I'm moving from Georgia and I'm moving to New York City, which would be like a huge move for you. I'm presuming that you kind of know where you want to be, but the flexibility that, you know, say throwing one year of rent out the window and, and not really worrying about it is that it would give you a chance to experience what living someplace very different might be. So, you know, as you said, like if I want to move to a place where it's a, a, a 55 plus community. Well, maybe you don't want that. You know what my mother-in-law says about that? Who's 97? She's like, Ugh, what do I want to live with all those old people for? <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Um, so, I mean, it is okay. I think longer term, I think you're a little young to make the commitment of saying okay, the next 30 years are going to be rent. And you actually do have liquid assets. But if you can buy like a, if you got a cheap rent and you said to me, oh, you know, I have a friend who's vacating this cool property and I'm going to pay $1,500 a month. Can I do that for a few years? Yeah, sure you can. But if all of a sudden your rent that you're looking at is, you know, you're, you're living in a higher cost area and the rents start going up and it's a desirable place and you have a little less control over that, the pace of those increases then renting is not such a great deal. So it really is dependent on your personal situation, which is obviously so much of what we talk about here. But I would tend to think that because of the time before you have to get yourself situated, that 
the buying is probably going to be fine for you. And again, if you just say to me, yes, Jill, I can live with using whatever equity I have to plunk it on a new place, as long as you're not going to plow through all of that non-qualified money that you've accumulated and, you know, kind of wink, wink by slightly more expensive and it ends up being more than we had anticipated. I think that the game plan works quite well as is. Okay. And so you don't see a need for me to seriously downsize and say, buy something that's 250 to 300. No, definitely not. You don't spend that much money. No, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty frugal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just don't. It, you know, if you had said to me that you need from the portfolio, if you said, in addition to my income, I really do need another $60,000, then we would ha- be having a different conversation. But I, I think you're living quite reasonably and you've done a great job of socking money away. You know, there doesn't seem to me to be this great need to, you know, kill yourself and, you know, wrap yourself into a pretzel to try to figure out how to, you know, find something you could possibly live with for, you know, $200,000 a year. You can do this. You have the luxury and, and you're also willing to work. And I think that's a big deal. Longer you keep that, that 30,000 coming in, the better you're going to be. Okay, great. I just want to be clear, you're on the right track. Everything seems good. If things change or you're looking around at places and you run into a little bit of that, oh no, but if I could just spend 600, it would be better. Give us a call back because I'm not saying you can't do that. It just would be a slightly different game plan that we would recommend, okay? Okay. But really, you know, four is better than six. This is the one time where less really is a lot more in the long run for you, okay? Well, since I'm not moving for probably at least two and a half years, if mine goes up to eight or nine, and I look at you, look at you. Yes, I think that it is fair to say that the equity that you have accumulated is probably the max that you could spend. However, it would also be really nice for you in, you know, your transition phase to be able to say, ah, I'm so lucky the equity in my house rose. So like, actually, I have an extra 200 grand I can pop into my investment account. Wouldn't that be better than that would be great. Yeah. So let's let's do that. Let's try to let's try for that. Let's see. But I'm here. Don't worry. I'm not going anywhere. So you can give us a holler back. Susan from Georgia. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to run some changes in your life by us. All you need to do is send us a note, go to jillonmoney.com, click on the contact button. While you're there, sign up for our free weekly newsletter. It's great. As always, we do like to remind you to please try to do something nice for someone else today. Remember our mantra, grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.